When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie a little bit like today, there was only one story on LMFM radio 20 years ago and every radio station and news outlet in the country. 20 years ago, the story wasn't coronavirus, it was the foot and mouth disease. If you go back to February 20 years ago in 2001, uh, the disease was already in the United Kingdom. The EU had placed a ban on British meat and dairy exports and the USA and Canada banned European products. Towards the end of the month, Northern Ireland confirmed it had had recorded a confirmed case of foot and mouth disease. The animals involved had been imported to the north and worryingly trucked there via County Louth. At the time, Nicholas Duff was the agriculture correspondent for LMFM Radio. And Nicholas, I'm sure you remember that February morning 20 years ago and the news of a confirmed outbreak in South Armagh. And that morning when I was in preparing the farm programme, I think there was a rap on the newsroom window and I looked outside and I, there was Raymond O'Malley outside. He was the IFA chairman and at the time and the former chairman, Johnny Butterley. And they had the chief veterinary officer, or the DVO as he was called at the time in, in County Loud, um, Brendan Smith. And the three of them you know, were anxiously wanting airtime that morning to try and emphasize the gravity of the situation. So Seamus Harley, remember saying to me, he said, Nicholas, take all the time you want. You know, the airwaves are yours now. This is serious. We've got to deal with it and hear what these men have to say. So it was a case of there was going to be restrictions Straight away, there was a, a ring of steel put around the, the farm in my in South Armagh. It was a 3km zone, known as a protection zone, and that had to be extended because it, half of that wasn't County Loud. So they had the 10k, what they call then, surveillance zone in place to try and keep the disease out. But uh, it was a case of, look, we have to prepare now for shutdown on certain things. Um, the trade, obviously, is going to be affected. Uh, parts of North Loud now and around that area, there's going to be a no-go area, unless absolutely necessary. You know, we had the take a lot of precautions. And then, like, I mean, before we knew it, like, the case, um, what was described as a suspect clinical case on the 20th of March, and we're awaiting confirmation of that two days later from the laboratory in Purbright, because we heard a lot about this place in Purbright where they send the samples off to be tested. And we got the phone call on the Thursday from Demard O'Hearn, he was the Minister for Social Community and Family Affairs, and he told us, yes, we do have a case. It was at half past ten on the morning of Thursday, uh, the 22nd of March 2001, exactly 20 years ago, that news of uh, confirmed foot and mouth was announced on this programme. 
Right, it appears the dreaded news has actually come to pass. It has just been confirmed that there are two cases of foot. Paul Maguire announcing the news that the whole country had been hoping it wasn't going to hear. That was 20 years ago today, 20 years ago, pretty much to the minute at half ten on the 22nd of March 2001. It wasn't the first time that LMFM led the news nationally on foot and mouth disease because, as you may very well remember, County Louth became the epicentre of the disease. Then it was over to the Taoiseach to suspend it all to make the statement and let us know, yes, it has come, it has arrived. And obviously some will remember this better than others. John Worley is on the line with us and John, you'll never forget this day and how foot and mouth was confirmed on your neighbour's land to begin with, but soon spread from the Price Farm on to your family farm. Yeah, that's right, Michael. Um, Indeed, I remember that news news heading uh, that morning. And um, we were we were next door to that farm in Perlick, and um, we knew once we heard it on the news that we were doomed. So we got the dreaded call about one o'clock that day that the department officials was coming to put down our sheep on the farm. Um, they started and they didn't do the mold the following day. Then the meat factory in Riverside was opened up to, to um, facilitate slaughter of animals all around the area. Um, but yeah, something you never forget, Michael. Yeah. Mm, I'm sure heartbreaking for you and your father at the time, obviously, and all of the family. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. It was an emotional time. You see, all the livestock was there for years, um, been taken away. Um, I suppose we didn't know what was ahead of us, but um, and looking back, I suppose compared to what's happening in the country at the minute with the worldwide virus, there was no one died. You know, it was it was animals, and, and we did. We restocked and we got back and. We've finished this line. We've a great sale in Carlingford every year now, and things are really going well again. Did you feel that way at the time, or can you remember back to how you felt uh, 20 years ago? And did it seem like the end of the world? And I'm asking you that, I suppose, in the context that it's very hard for us today because of the coronavirus to imagine getting back to normality. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, it was complete devastation on the day, and um, as I say, we were we were very close to Perlick and. We taught the rest of the country, the rest of the county, led our neighbours out in, in, in Cooley and Omit and Carnival would have been safe and we'd be able to restock. But unfortunately, they, they closed off the, the whole peninsula to save the rest of the country. And there was an entire call in the peninsula and all the stock went. So it made it that more difficult to, to restock. Um, yeah, at the time, you think it was never going to be possible. But bit by bit, we managed to, to I suppose 20 years is a long time, we managed to build back the stock. Um, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of hard work the sheep on the commonages on the mountains um, but we got there yeah we mm. got there Did it seem senseless at the time for so many animals to be destroyed? Oh definitely Michael because um, the fact that all the rest was only with that one confirmed case and all the rest of the animals come back clear but I suppose um, looking back on it um, you know Cooley Peninsula took the hit they sealed up the, the peninsula at the Ballymac roundabout and we saved the rest of the country so from that perspective, um, you know, when you see what's happening now worldwide with the virus, where things can spread, you know, I think, I suppose, we, the government at the time and ourselves, we did a good job to cut, to curtail it in, in Cooley, like, so. They really are interesting comparisons, aren't they? Okay, John. Thank you indeed uh, for that. Let me go back uh, to Nicholas Duff because people will remember the destruction of thousands of animals. It really was heartbreaking, but it was a farming crisis in many other ways as well. It, there, was a, there was a lot of sheep out there, obviously more so sheep, but there were um, cattle as well, you know, and 
the, the thing you have to realise as well, the the produce itself, the cutting, cutting the export out of the region, you had um, um, co-op people going onto farms even to solidify milk by adding acid to it so the milk couldn't actually go for processing and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there, there, there was a lot, of, um, a lot of that going on. Probably a lot of other things we probably didn't hear about. You, you, you know, you nearly know what's happening. I suppose it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, they contained it very well, certainly in uh, relative terms uh, to the situation across the water. They did. Now, the thing is, across the water, it was out of control. It hadn't been notified. That's what the problem was. They've had they started with a case, and before they know, they had more cases. This went on and on. Now you had chief feds saying to the department or to the government over there that you know we got to get on top of this. This is serious, and the government then putting it. It's been oh no, we're totally in control. Everything is okay. It's not we're, we're on top of it. They weren't, Michael. It's simple as that. And they, they weren't putting in the restrictions that we put in here. We had a complete shutdown of the area. It happened in a number of stages. We had. The EU immediately banned meat and dairy, say, different food products from the UK, and even America and Canada jumped in and, and banned it. And um, then when we got the case, there was a ban on us as well. But I'd say within a month, um, we had the restrictions lifted in Ireland, but Loud was still annexed because just to allow the rest of the economy to keep going, because like uh, any blow to agriculture it would be devastating to the Irish economy. So we did that in a number of stages. It got to a stage then when they drew a line, where there was a line drawn across the centre of Loud, say from Dundalk and a line out to the cool, out to Green Ore. And anything south of that line then was able to resume exports again. So it was just, it ended up with the north of Loud being completely annexed until the restrictions were, were lifted completely. It's Nicholas Stuff who was uh, the agricultural correspondent for LMFM in 2001. Uh, Pat O'Shaughnessy is on uh, the line. Pat is uh, an LMFM reporter as uh, I'm sure you know as he was then and was a, a very busy reporter because he lived in the exclusion zone and uh, was reporting on the outbreaks and fears at the time. And we're also joined by the aforementioned Dermot O'Hearn who uh, was a local a fall TD uh, and made that call to LMFM uh, on uh, the 22nd of March as you heard a little bit earlier on and Dermot O'Hearn maybe you'd uh, tell us uh, your memories of foot and mouth disease because as a, a local TD undoubtedly you were very very concerned uh, but uh, this was also an issue for you as a, a minister on a, a national basis at the time because it, it was a whole of government issue. Well, it was. Uh, I, it's hard to believe that it was 20 years ago. And as you, some of your contributors there said, uh, the resonances of the current crisis um, uh, is quite amazing um, how, uh, to a certain extent, history repeats itself. I know you can't equate the two. This is far more serious with people's lives at stake. Uh, but this was a particularly grim time for the northeast um, of Louth and the Cooley Peninsula in particular, but all of County Louth. Um, I do recall it because we were on tenterhooks for uh, about a week or two before um, we got the confirmation of the first case. We were hoping against hope that it wouldn't happen in Ireland. Um, and then subsequently we got the word that there was, there was a case across the border, so it seemed inevitable. And in fairness, the the government uh, moved in very quickly, I suppose, uh, unlike uh, the way in which, as Nicholas said earlier, the the British government uh, tried to 
contain it within an area. Relatively speaking, Ireland was lucky in that it was on a peninsula and it was easy enough, relatively easy enough to geographically cordon off the area, but it wasn't lucky for, for County Louth and, and the the Cooley Peninsula in particular. Um, immediately, the government set up a task force which met, I think, at 7am every morning during the crisis. Um, it was made up of the Minister for Agriculture, my good friend, the late Joe Walsh, who actually um, was related to me by marriage. His his sister was married to my first cousin from Cork. Uh, we were always great friends, but I had many, many battles with him over that period because I, I was worried that my county would be, as Nicholas said, sacrificed in order to save the rest of the country. And to a certain extent, um, when the task force was set up uh, under the auspices of, of Bertie, but mainly driven by uh, Joe Walsh's Minister for Agriculture and his officials, Martin Her- Herity, was uh, the the, um, the um, Secretary General of the Department of Agriculture. He's now, I think, retired, but old chairman of Sligo Rovers Football Club. Um, they ran the show, um, but very early on, I went to Bertie Ahern and I pleaded with him to put me. I was Minister for Social Welfare. I hadn't really anything to do with the issue, but you know, other than being a constituency um, uh, representative for the area, um, but from a ministerial point of view or departmental point of view, uh, there was really nothing uh, to do with social welfare at that time in the initial stages. I pleaded with Bertie uh, to put me on the committee. Um, and in fairness, he did. I, I said there has to be someone at the committee to defend the rights of, of uh, County Loud generally um, to make sure that, you know, other businesses are not sacrificed um, uh, because of this. And it meant that I had to, um, every morning during the crisis, get up at, uh, well, leave my house at about quarter to six every morning to make sure I was there for the meeting at seven um, and it was I was fighting a, a losing battle to a certain extent in that I was um, constantly pleading uh, that you cannot, you know, completely close County Loud down the North, the the Cooley Peninsula. That there's other businesses, particularly from a tourism point of view, I was very conscious of the fact that there were quite a number of of, of people in in the Cooley Peninsula who had nothing to do with farming, who were going to suffer really badly from this. So it, time moved on, and it, it, as, as some of your contributors said, you know, between all the efforts involved, it, it was was mm. it worked out. But yeah. you know, it, uh, and so, so very similar uh, again. Uh, echoes of when we locked down three counties uh, for coronavirus. In terms of you can't annex a part of the country. Similar arguments uh, and similar fears, uh, I suppose, uh, to a, a large extent. Uh, can I go to Pat O'Shaughnessy, uh, who's on the line with us uh, as well? Uh, and Pat, we heard my predecessor, uh, Paul McGuire, announce uh, that morning 20 years ago that there was a confirmed case in County Loud. And I remember at the time working for a different radio station in a different part of the country. And like everybody in the country, we were all watching what the lads up in LMFM were reporting uh, because this was where the disease was, was centred uh, and all of the news came from this part of the world first in relation to foot and mouth. And uh, of course, you're reporting then uh, on that uh, from uh, within that exclusion zone. You must have a lot of memories. 
Uh, absolutely. It, it was an incredible time, as all the people this morning have said. It was amazing. But the thing to remember was there was no smartphones and no social media. And very early on, we established a great link with the department official out there, Declan Coppinger, who realised that we weren't spinning anything and that we had the welfare of everybody who lived on the peninsula at heart and that how serious this was been taken. So we were at odds uh, through our programme I was reporting daily to make sure that the facts that we were putting out there were, were in fact correct, they were factual, uh, and there was no gilding the lily, and there was no spin. In fact, I don't think the word spin existed in those days. So we were to the point, and it, it came to a point where the farmers were actually coming up to us and asking us for information before we would go to air every morning. And it was an extraordinary time that the, the, how we struck up that relationship. And Dermot spoke about the Central Committee, and, and all of those things gelled together in the backgrounds where we were hearing information from reliable sources that were built up on trust. Uh, and then we were at odds to make sure that as accurately as we could at disseminate that to the public and as you say there you were listening in another part of the country and it, it was I suppose you could say exciting because we were at the hub of it but the devastation that that that, that was being impacted upon the people who lived on the peninsula you had to be there to witness that you know it was right mm. in the heart of the lambing season where good husbandry ultimately ends and the, the farmers are ready to yield their years working in in the lambing season and suddenly this epidemic hit them and it was just a, a tragedy now as you said you have to draw the parallels but the one parallel i draw uh, between then and now is of course you, you have social media and instant news cycle 24 hours a day we didn't have that then but there was a fabulous relationship we were only three years into 19 after 1998 good friday agreement there was an all-ireland approach and breed rogers and joe walsh and you heard dermot mention it there worked together and it was an all-ireland approach and the people of County Loud took a hit nationally to make sure that Ireland succeeded. And by the 19th of September, the, the world governing body declared Ireland disease-free. And by the 11th of July, Eddie O'Hannon was the first farmer to bring sheep back on the mountain. So it, it was extraordinary what we did as an all-Ireland approach at that particular time when you look at the disaster that had unfolded across the water in England. And I think, Dermot, the fact that you did manage to cajole your way onto that central committee augured well down the road for, for grants and funding that became available, if, I'm, if memory serves me right. Am I right on that point? Yes, um, I always made the point that, as I said earlier, uh, tourism, particularly Cooley and Carlingford and that general area was very well served by various um, establishments from a tourism point of view and they had to shut down for the entire period and um, subsequently there was a, a, so quite a, a good um, scheme put in place. Even to this day, I get, I get thanks from people when I go out to Carlingford for, for, for the sort of the help that was given in that respect, because they did get back up, up and running. As, as, as it is the case now with the pubs and the hotels, like nobody really knows when it's coming back. Mm. And equally so in those days, 20 years ago, no one knew what the future was. Mm. They were looking forward to a good summer season, particularly. And... Yes, um, in fairness, the, the government did put it. And, and one other thing which, which I succeeded in, I convinced Bertie to bring the cabinet down to um, Casabella or to um, Ballymatscanlan mm -hmm. uh, for a cabinet meeting, uh, which turned out ultimately to be a pretty famous cabinet meeting or a row over, over, over between uh, Charlie McCreevy and the 
current Taoiseach Michael Martin, who was in health at the time. But um, the cabinet, in fairness, all came up, and uh, that was to show. Uh, and again, in fairness to Bertie, I said to him, it was at the end of the uh, crisis uh, to a certain extent, and I, I wanted to show to the world. Uh, and to the rest of Ireland that um, Loud was back open for business again and by having the cabinet meeting there and having all the publicity with the cameras and that the fact mm-hmm. that the cabinet was coming um, I think did indicate that you know time had moved on and that the crisis was over and, and we learn an awful lot about each other through these type of crises uh, and uh, that type of messaging is obviously very important Pat am I right in thinking that LMFM came into its own in uh, many respects as uh, a local reporter, uh, uh, not just as uh, the local radio station reporting on what was happening locally, but uh, as journalists uh, who were part of the local community uh, and indeed nationally that a, a trust was built up with a local radio station to be able to report on these stories because this was the epicentre of where the problem was. Yeah, I think the overriding factor for me was that very point. Uh, we built up such a relationship. Um, I was there every single day and I met with Declan Coppinger and his officials. And while we knew relatively early on that there was going to be a cull on the peninsula, it was being rumoured and all sorts of rumours were escalating. But we never reported it until such time as we knew that it was going to become a fact. Um, even though the second case uh, that ultimately proved negative on the Keenan farm, and they they, they lost their, their animals while they're, while they, before the cull actually happened. They lost their animals, even though their case came back negative. We were hearing at that stage, because if we constantly delayed and constantly delayed, this could go on indefinitely. And the department and his officials were, were talking seriously about a, a cull right across mm. the peninsula which 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 culminated in 13,000 sheep and 3,000 cattle being killed uh, at the time um but we were very very careful in how we put that across so much so that Declan Coppinger gave us specifically handed it to me every single morning the press release that was official and we were doing that official work okay. so may, it was maybe terrific I can, that we built up that rapport maybe I can finish on that in the context of today's crisis uh, with Dermot O'Hearn uh, as a minister uh, of the day back in 2001 uh, you'll know how important it is to take the people with you no matter how bad the news is uh, and that messaging uh, that we spoke about earlier is very important uh, and that you're gauging the public mood all of the time so that you're not pushing people beyond what they can take and how what you say and how effective you are in saying it can lead to a level of obedience when it's needed and if you get it wrong it can lead to disobedience Yes but I I really while there are parallels between the two circumstances I mean the current crisis is such that it affects everyone from every man woman and child in the country Um, nobody uh, is unaware of this situation whereas with the uh, foot and mouth you know it was really restricted only to um, a single area and indeed by in large ordinary people moved about their business uh, within the Cooley Peninsula albeit difficulty getting in and out um, so you can't really equate the two I mean the current situation is much more difficult to handle and um, you know no matter what you do um, there's there's difficulties I saw what happened with the best will in the world they opened up at Christmas um, some people including myself at the time felt wasn't a particularly good idea turned out to be a very bad idea but you know it's a bit like as you can see on your own program nowadays you have 
and on the media, people sort of exhorting for things to be opened up when clearly the cases, for some reason, are going back up. I think perhaps to do with the good weather around um, St. Patrick's Day, etc., mm. uh, the numbers are clearly gone, going up again, and that's something that we have to be absolutely uh, careful with. Okay. Um, All right, I'm I read, you know, it's 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 not an easy one. I wouldn't like to be in government at this time because no. um, they have a very difficult job. I don't know if it's ever an easy time to be in government, but certainly a very Never. difficult time Never. at the moment. But yeah. we leave it there, and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, thanks uh, to Dermot O'Hearn, a former Fianna Fáil TD for Louth and Government Minister, and Pat O'Shaughnessy and John Worley, and Nicholas Duff. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.